Here we are again, The Last Jedi. Yes, Star Wars is back, listeners, and I hope you're really excited. It's an event all over the world, you can't deny that one, and it does mean something, doesn't it? It is a big build-up to this film, hotly anticipated. How are you feeling? Yes, I'm feeling, well, I've seen the film, what do you want me to say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, listeners, right at the top here, this is a spoiler episode. It's in the title of the podcast, don't miss it. We aren't going to do a spoiler-free review this time round, partly because we're confident absolutely everyone in the world is going to go see it anyway. Yes, I think Star Wars is one of those things, and you agree, don't you, Laurie? You're going to go see it. We want you to go see it on your own terms because really, you don't really care what somebody thinks about it beforehand. What you're interested in is what they made of it after you've seen That's it. That's right. And so, we, we, and I should say, this is for you after you've seen it. We don't want to wreck the film for anyone. Go and see it and then come and hear what we thought of it. I, I tiptoed around my opinions on the radio even because... I think you did well, man. Do you think I did? Yeah. I didn't want to prejudice anyone and yet you had to say something. So I did say a few things that were quite neutral. Um, but yeah, time to review it, Phil. Should we play the trailer really quickly? Yes, like right. play the trailer because that's our normal thing. And just a reminder before we get into it, once you listen to our rambles, our thoughts, our agreements, disagreements, all that sort of stuff, we're expecting you to disagree and have your own verdict. Get in touch at superbabybros at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbabybros. If you agree, you can give us a plus one to either Laurie or myself or you can give us a minus one if you completely disagree. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear what you made of the film. Nice work, Phil. Here's the trailer. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Something inside me has always been there. How do you want to play it? I think what we should do is be honest about our emotions, not necessarily the criticisms we have, but our emotional reaction to the film and what it was like watching the film. So for me, I remember getting the tingles with the big Star Wars logo came up. The yeah, brrr, me too. I couldn't Even though we it. saw it at midnight. Even though we saw it at midnight, we saw it in a nice, lovely cinema with lovely, comfortable seats. And I was so not really expecting that much from this film i had from the trailers i was just getting a bad vibe about it it wasn't sitting well with me with the ideas that the the trailer was presenting luke seemed a bit grim Mm. and a bit um unhappy and i thought is this going to be fun i didn't like the fact they seemed to give away plot points in the trailer i thought maybe that's a misleading thing um and i just didn't feel that same sort of anticipation that same sort of optimism that the force awakens has interesting and unfortunately i feel like my uh little tingling my spider sense was correct Mm. i don't think this film was that good well and the same is true but in reverse for me phil because i had quite high expectations i was hopeful it's a big event and i love star wars 
but the conclusion's the same. Yeah, I think... I'm sorry to say, listeners, I think this is a failure. Uh, you sound always tearful. Man. I'm really sad about it. In cinema and especially in Star Wars, I think this is just not right. And I, I kind of want to say that right away because, like you, Phil, I kind of became glued to reviews of the film after having seen it. I, um, you know, I kept my own thoughts in reserve and made loads and loads of notes, but then I was desperate to know what everyone else thought. And it was really interesting. I, I like websites like Letterboxd and the IMDb user reviews because you get a real spectrum of, of people talking. And the one thing that I kept seeing again and again and again was that anyone who said something negative immediately followed it up with something like, oh, but Porgs are great. Or, uh, oh, but Carrie Fish is awesome. Or, you know what I mean? No one was just laying out what they thought. It, very, very few anyway. People laid out what they thought and just put a full stop at the end. So I kind of just want to be really honest and say I really didn't like it. Did you not like it as a Star Wars film or did you not like it as a film film? Both. I've got some overly detailed explanations of why I think it fails as a film, uh, purely on filmic terms. Uh, well, tell me when you want me to do it because, you know, I think this is a Star Wars, the MacGuffin MacGuffin, basically. I reckon what we need to do is try and focus on the positives first so that we can warm people up so that it's not entirely negative and entirely okay. a downward turn. And there, it, like any film, there's going to be some parts of it that work for you in some way or another. Yeah. So let's start with some positives. And as, just to remind everyone, we haven't really got into anything about the film yet. This is spoilers. We're not going to hold back at all from this point onwards. No, not at all. Right, we'll, we'll jump all around. We're not going to go through it systematically. We'll just jump on on the things right. which we thought you better lead with the positives my man <laughs> well that doesn't bode well for the film does it at all literally on my little phone i've got some notes uh, that have titles positive negatives and questions nice and that's what i think i'm going to try and do with this review you start with the positives move on to negatives and then just say some questions i think so unfortunately my positive list is not that long but i have to say my favorite part of the film by a clear mile was kylo ren i thought he was a great character from the force awakens i thought he was even better in this film i was really invested in what happened to him i thought his arc his character is not like most films that you'd find you i don't think you'd find a character like him where he's completely flawed completely broken you're sympathetic towards him and yet he's despicable and you never really know where he is. He's conflicted. And it's and you're completely sold on the fact that he is a conflicted character. You don't really know if he's a good guy, a bad guy, or what's going on with him. And I think that's a real positive. Kylo Ren, I'm invested. I want to know what's going to happen with him. I think on top of that as well is Adam Driver. Really, really, really is so much better than everyone else in the cast. Do you think so? I think you can tell based on the fact that he doesn't really buy into the humour that is so prevalent throughout the film. Like the scene where he turns up shirtless and she says, can you put something on? And he just stares and doesn't react at all. And I slightly wonder if Adam Driver was just like, I don't think my character would do this. I'm just not going to respond to this. So he just, he lets that happen, but his character is kind of untainted by that that humour on the whole. I thought he was just brilliant in it. I think he was really emotionally charged, magnetic. I I just, I'm, I'm a big fan of the guy. Yeah, I mean, I agree, Phil. I, I do think some of the backstory we get is totally unsatisfactory when it comes to the complexities of his character. They just say, oh, there was darkness in him and there was a misunderstanding and then now he's the most evil man or the most sort of deranged, like confused man in the galaxy. That I don't think this backstory works at all and I think that's Ryan Johnson's awfully poor writing. We're doing positive, remember? Like. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that failed him because I agree I think at least he's interesting to watch and certainly his storyline was the one I was most invested in have you got any positive to add or should I just carry on my list I quite liked Ray again I, I think Daisy really is right for the role I think she acts it well I know you disagree with me Phil. I strongly disagree I think she had a, I really think the script is atrocious and I, I think she did the most she could with it I think Ryan Johnson directed her to be flat in some scenes because no I think no, no, she's let me finish, man. come on I'd let you talk for ages sorry um, I don't think she sounds the way she sounded in The Force Awakens I think she sounds different. She wouldn't have delivered so much flatness under J.J. Abrams because, in fact, wasn't there as a story that she did a take and he took her aside and said, you've got to up your game and stuff. And yeah, I think it was like the very first take he said that was a little wooden. Yeah, exactly. And whereas Ryan Johnson, I just don't think gets, he just doesn't get it. And 
So I think she, in fact, over-emoted in a lot of places because that she just obviously felt she had to bring something of her last character, you know, the last film's character, into the film. So I like Ray and I like Daisy Ridley, and I think her and Kylo Ren make for good opposite sides of the coin. I thought the the scenes where they fade into each other and having those teleportation-style conversations... The force chats. ...were good. I thought there were too many of them and they didn't really progress very far, but I thought they were some of the best things. They were the my sort of favourite scenes in the movie, yeah. them just chatting. That was one of the positives that I had. I think... Yeah, I'll hold back on Ray because we're doing positives. I'm trying to think of... I think basically, Phil, I thought John Williams' score was pretty good. I need to listen to it on its own. But I felt quite sad when the classic Star Wars dogfight sequence was being played. The music, I you mean... You thought it was misapplied? Well, just because it made me think of that scene and how the music really fit it. And I, like I said with What's-His-Face's score for Rogue One, I can't remember who it was, that sort of bombast and uh, approach to music only works because it was written for a film that matched it. Whereas I don't think this film does. Uh, this film needed a more marvel score, I think, basically, that was flatter and less interesting. <laughs> Where And so John Williams' music, good as it was, I don't think necessarily was the right fit. Sorry, what? what <laughs> try, just remember, we're trying to do the up bit. <laughs> I'm trying, but I, like, I still liked it. I liked the music. And I almost liked, Phil, <laughs> when they went to that casino thing. At the very least, the scenery work when they flew in made it look interesting it actually reminded me of the prequels and i thought oh that's an interesting new planet i wonder what that'll be like when they land on it and interact and what kind of adventure so like the the literally the the scenic shots i liked the promise of it i didn't really like the delivery i agree with you the outside was much better than the interior yeah um i'm gonna say something a little bit controversial i quite like the surprise of snoke dying i didn't see it coming. you actually liked that i well i was surprised i think i like the fact that i was surprised and i didn't see it coming that was an interesting experience in the cinema to be completely shocked about how something was going to go so with han solo dying in the the force awakens you saw it coming coming. a mile away snoke i did not predict that at all and so that was that's very i kind of think that's cheap yeah so well and the other thing which cheap. I did like Died was like the chump. fact that cheap jump. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> the fact that Ray um, Ray's parent parentage was in fact uh, a red herring, and he just said, "I really like the line. Um, what was it? Your parents sold you for drinking money." And when he told her that, and the fact that there's nothing there, I quite like that. But the problem is, I don't think those two those two plot elements are kind of surprising. They're kind of anti surprises. I don't think they work well, both of them, in the film. They could do one or the other. Can we talk about... You remind me again, Phil, because I want to talk about that from another perspective. And I slightly disagree about Ray's parents, uh, well, for the reason that we'll come on to later. But I also wonder whether that might be a red herring within the film's own world. It could because do. Because it's Kylo Ren be who says it, isn't it? And he wants her to be with him. And he uses it as the, sort of final, the final card that he has to say, you've got nothing on the other side. Join me. I do think that's a possibility. I'm hoping it won't be. I'm hoping they kind of hold their, their nerve. I'm hoping it will be. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, we'll come back to But that I really like the speech that he did. I thought that was well delivered. And I like the Adam lines. Driver. Yeah, I like those lines in particular. I really think he's delivered on his promise in The Force Awakens. And a lot of people didn't like his character or his performance in the first one. I thought it was great. And I think it's actually amazing. When you watch Adam Driver in other films, the word that you wouldn't think applies to him is boyish. Whereas this film, that's his whole thing. And it's a testament to his skill. He's a man child, skill. isn't he? But yeah. like well, no, but he isn't at compelling. all. Compelling. I think I think he's a terrific actor and it, it, it's a good role for him, yeah. Uh, there's a couple of other lines that I did like in the film. Uh, one in particular, get your head out of your cockpit, I thought was a good did line. Did you like that? I like that. That made me laugh because it seemed like something that somebody would actually say in and not... In the Star Wars world. Okay. In the Star Wars world, yeah. And it wasn't something that like was a wink to the audience. Oh, you reminded me, the only joke I laughed at um, that I remember laughing at was a point where... Do you remember when Finn is explaining to Poe that there's one dreadnought or destroyer or whatever that they need to get to, and uh, he says we're gonna get on there. We got this is this is the right one, and Poe's immediate response is so we blow it up. That made me laugh. And they said, I like where your head's at, but no. That was good because that that actually felt like there were two people who knew each other. Yeah. And it was, you know, witty. There's actual character driving that, that thing. And chemistry there for a second, mm. which was totally wasted. Sorry, I know we're still on positives. Uh, the other positive I liked was I really liked the moment when Luke saw R2-D2 and you could actually tell his character was sort of the the fog was lifted off of him for a moment and he seemed genuinely like luke yeah but then it returned in the next it scene. did but i like never makes i like i like that little brief glimpse of classic luke skywalker oh, that hang on nice. a minute. this is what could have happened if they'd made the film properly is that what you mean something like that um the other my last positive that i want to mention and it's also slightly tarred and i think that's actually how i feel about most of the film is there were some positives in it and some of them were really high but I felt like most of the positives were tainted. 
Uh, I like Benicio del Toro. I think yes, he's, I did. Actually, he that's felt true. like a tr- true Star Wars character that was underutilized and underwritten. Yes, they could have done a lot promise. more with him. I agree. I didn't like particularly like the scene where he comes out with his boots around his neck and sees BB-8, and that like that it really mirrored that scene right at the end. That it felt Dickensian. It's sort of oh, well, oh the little boy this, brushing. What his... was that? <laughs> that was like it's like Tiny Tim. Yeah. Oh, the force is for everyone. <laughs> Merry God Christmas. bless the force. Like, what? <laughs> it was ridiculous. They don't need chimney sweeps in space. Right. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Benicio, and part of that, again, is that Benicio Del Toro is an actor and a half, Phil. He's brilliant. And I think he nailed his role. Mm. There was one other thing was. I forgot to mention, um, and I'm interested, and maybe this will bleed into negatives now. I quite liked the final bit where Ray and Kylo Ren did a little bit of fighting together against the the yeah. Snoke's guards. I thought that was an interesting set and I liked the fight, but I didn't think it was that well directed. I didn't remember thinking, oh, this is really cleverly directed. I thought the actually The Force Awakens was a better fight sequence. Yeah, I agree. I found the, the lightsaber fights generally lacking tension because the thing is they're set up and storyboarded in such a way that the outcome is obvious. So in The Force Awakens, you can't. You knew Rey was going to survive, I think, didn't you? But you didn't quite know on what terms. And J.J. Abrams nailed it because John Boyega gets taken out in that mm. fight, which you maybe didn't see coming. In fact, if anything, you thought he might be the one to see off Kylo Ren. But actually, he got his spine he sort gets of absolutely sliced. sliced in half. And, uh, and then Ray luckily takes over and wins the day, but only just. So that's just a testament to J.J. Abrams, who understands what a sword fight is for. This one, what was the tension? I, I don't really know. I, I knew, it's obvious that Kylo Ren and Rey are not going to die. It's obvious that Rey is not going to die. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so it's a, it's I was a just tension. Wait- it's a filler fight scene. You're more like you're waiting to see in what way they'll use their lightsabers. And I did like the bit where she dropped it into her hand and sliced, but I think the film thought that was more impressive than it was. It was slightly inventive, I'll give it that. And it's a cool location, and I like the guard's design. Yeah, they were right, yeah. I think we're ready to go on to the negatives, aren't we? And I've got a lot of long list. I don't know if you've got your list there I've got as well. an incredibly long list. And the thing is, listeners, I really understand if you liked it, that's okay. You just need to be as fierce in your defence of the film uh, as, uh, as we are in our criticism Convince of us why we're wrong, absolutely. But I think my major criticism of the film... I feel like the whole film kills the promise of The Force Awakens. Completely. It actually lessens the first film. Indeed. I think it really does. And I feel like... I said this as a positive because I like the way it was delivered and how it was done. But if you look at where The Force Awakens leaves these characters and the questions that it raises, this film basically kills them all. So it becomes a flat plateau of a film. There's nowhere for these characters to go or no interesting follow-up to this film. They're kind of just kind of back to square run there the the resistance and they're all kind of okay you don't really know what's going to happen to them there's no inclination there's no sort of tease of what's going to come you've got the whole thing with Ray's parents they don't matter you've got the whole thing with Snoke he doesn't matter what's happened since the first film nothing because the film starts immediately you know, afterwards even Kylo Ren it's the same what about the Knights of Ren what about what happened oh nothing there was a misunderstanding and then with Kylo Ren's character is he good Mm, don't really know is he bad you don't really know he kind of just seems to be bad now and that kind of kills off that element of his character there's less conflict now he's more of just a defined bad guy versus Rey the defined good guy whereas before The Force Awakens it sort of suggested that there was a bit more to both of them that maybe she was a bit on the dark side and he was a bit more on the light side and indeed in the film as well that whole thing of like when Luke discovers that she immediately goes to the dark side he never brings it up again. Yeah. It doesn't influence the rest of the film at all. It's just sort of said, and then he carries on teaching her. What about Luke Skywalker, man? You haven't even brought him up in terms of stuff that goes nowhere and does nothing. Well, essentially, that whole thing of that cliffhanger, quite literally on the edge of a cliff, where Ray holds out the lightsaber, is a, is a dead end. He chucks it over his shoulder. That, as... was almost, that was almost symbolic, actually, for what they did with the film. It's like, it, uh, this is where I really want to say, maybe you need to stop me jumping in, Phil. Do you remember what we said about Alien Covenant? which is that they paid a lot of attention to what people said about Prometheus, and then they seem to have a direct answer for every single criticism. So there are a few things I noticed in this film. The bit I, when Snoke says you got defeated by a girl who's never right. used a lightsaber. Yeah, I, I really hope I'm wrong. The fact when the guy says, oh, we're on a salt planet. We're not on a snow planet. We're not just repeating the Empire Strikes Back, even though we are. Look, at salt. What's that? That's pathetic, man. That should mm. not have made the final cut of the film. Then the race parents thing. There are loads of fan theories. It seems like they just made one up that no one had because it was so rubbish. Mm. <laughs> and also, same with Snoke. Who's Snoke? What's his background? Blah, blah. We'll just kill him. Do you see, it almost seems like they have paid attention to everything everyone has said. 
and they've attempted to build the film based on that. Subvert it. I get the sense Ryan Johnson has come on. There was a script in place by Lawrence Kasdan, the guy who did Empire Strikes yeah, Back yeah, and yeah. things. And apparently when he came on, Lawrence Kasdan had to go and work on The Force Awakens oh. and help J.J. Abrams. And so he kind of left his little plan for the story. And Ryan Johnson was like, um, I don't really like this. Can I just write my own? And I wonder if he basically was like, I don't, I'm just going to do what I want. And he kind of, he almost inadvertently scraps all the things that were in The Force Awakens. And kind of keeps... deliberately. Like, like the fact that Rose is in it and 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 not Finn and Poe doing more. It's his own character that he's come up with who's like the drive of the film. Ugh. It's so frustrating. We can come on to her later. But I mean, yeah, you're right about that. The, the relationship between Finn and Poe. I mean, even Phil, fans were saying, are these guys going to be romantic? There was a big deal about is Thor's about to have uh, a gay relationship or something like that. And, it, and instead, the film sort of doesn't go anywhere near that. It stops them even being friends. They don't spend any time together. And the fun that they had when they were on screen together, the chemistry they had, the lessons they learned from each other, the way they inspired each other to do better things, it's just vanished from the film. It's gone completely. And it's so baffling because I, I immediately I was thinking, and this happens a numerous times throughout the film, why haven't they just done that? Why didn't they just do this? Why is it that Rose and Finn go to the planet? Why is it not Poe and Finn yeah. going to the planet and or trying to find a smuggler? why not even Finn on his own? Because that's how he's operated before, isn't it? Yeah, and that, that would be interesting. He's an interesting character. You care about him. This film wastes Finn and Poe. Poe, the great fighter pilot, does a tiny bit of flying and then spends the rest of the time running around the ship. And, <laughs> and he just moans at somebody. He's like, what are we doing? doing Why are we doing this? And get it. Oh, can we... Rami's come on to that, his mutinies and stuff. Uh, but uh, Also, with Finn, man, like, you're saying this, they wreck The Force Awakens. Finn's character got destroyed and wasted in this film. He goes backwards. He becomes a coward again and learns the same lesson again and he doesn't even get to have fun. They even retread the ground that J.J. Abrams did. Do you remember the bit where Ray and Finn escape narrowly on the Millennium Falcon and they walk around each other going, oh, and you did this and this? Mm. And they do that thing. But he does that with Rose, where Finn and her say the same thing at the same time. It's almost like, I don't understand what's happened. It, I, I really hate that because Finn was one of my favourite characters in the end and I thought John Boyega nailed it and it felt like he'd been shafted, man. He really he literally felt, felt like, like he'd been pushed out onto the edge. And they, they, he, he felt like a, a supporting character to Rose's story and I just thought, why is this happening? I didn't like Rose as a character. I thought she was really bland. I think she was unconventional for most uh, most of these sort of characters that are on Star Wars. She isn't typical at all. I felt like it was a biz- bit of a bizarre swap because she was like the security person and then suddenly she's a fighter pilot at the she's end. She's a maintenance worker, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, exactly. And it seems just very odd. It's not like um, Finn's character who is literally changing sides. That's why he becomes relevant. He's nothing and then he becomes important because he changes sides. Uh, I felt like it, she was just forced in. I have to say, she added nothing. I, in my opinion, from a story point of view and everything else, absolutely everything that she is involved in was inconsequential to the overall story. And it was, I think it was indulgent and wasteful and disrespectful, really, to spend so much time in the film focusing on her and how she related to Finn at the expense of the existing partnerships and characters that we'd already seen. It was almost it's, like we're not going to give deliver on the, the I'm not, things. Yeah, we're not. I'm not going to allow the the central cast of characters to to continue being the central cast of characters. I'm going to make it my own. I'm going to en- enter a new person into the mix and change all the dynamics and change it. And I, I find it insulting. And it was also annoying because they kind of in. I don't know if they're trying to suggest a love triangle at the end with Ray and Rose and Finn, or they seem to just suppress that whole I- I aspect of whether or not they were going to be something more. Are they just friends or not? There was a sort of tension that was there. That, even that was one of those mystery boxes. Are, are Ray and Finn going to be a couple then? And not? now it's just yeah. like, oh no, Rose kissed him, and now he's invested in her. She, ki- she kissed him and then died and then didn't die. Oh, like, I- I've got to say, like, I've got, you remind me about the editing because wow. <laughs> so what are you going to say? Well, I just remember the bit that. Was the bit when I turned to you and I literally said cross my fingers and said please be dead please be dead <laughs> Which is so, I listen, that sounds really horrible but I understood why Phil said it it's because from a story point of view she makes no sense you know I want to say it's Kelly Marie Tran she's a quite uh, inexperienced actor she's like unknown she didn't tell yeah. her family that she's going to be in it like everyone else I think she has done the very best with the material that she's been given so it's absolutely no comment on her performance I don't think I did think she's just like you said wrong for Star Wars just her sort of demeanour and bearing and the way she plays it it felt it, more like a tv show character yeah sort of or more firefly-ish maybe more and it's mu- got that very yeah. overt backstory that you get told immediately yes. you should care about this character because her sister just died yeah and she's got a pendant 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's, but again, it's not a comment on her performance. I think she did the best she could. I I think the criticisms all fall on Ryan Johnson. He's become a director I don't like because of this film, and I'm so annoyed about that because I still think Looper was an interesting film. Well, so I thought, break everyone. I know, thought this film was right. going to be intre- intense, maybe a bit too dark and maybe a bit too moody and thematic, and instead it was this sort of tonal mess yeah, yeah. of new ideas that didn't really make sense. The other new person that was introduced was Laura Dern's Admiral oh, Holdo yeah. or something Aldo. like that. <laughs> and this was another one of those moments where I was confused because they killed off an existing character to make room for her, so they killed off Admiral Akbar, who was on. Oh. The bridge why do they not i can't believe you throw away the it's a trap guy that everyone loves literally with a throwaway line oh atma was on the akbar was on the bridge too he doesn't have superman mary poppins powers like princess leia so uh, but then why why not leave him alive let him become the new leader and then him do the big sacrifice and then you actually care because it's admiral akbar the guy who fought the the empire in return of the jedi the one that you know is suddenly making a heroic last move and somebody who has proven his leadership even though he's some sort of weird fish guy i agree that would work so much better with Alien. Like there are very few aliens. Did you notice yeah. all the aliens have become like pets in this, as opposed to like living and speaking characters? There's one rebel alien who gets a couple of lines, and they hug him at the end. Yeah, but no like, I just think it would have worked so much better, and it would have fitted Poe's arc if there was anything about leadership and how you can be a leader and not a hero. But well, they—I mean—they tried to make that happen. I have to admit, Laura Dern's character bears the distinction. I think it being the only element of the film I like absolutely nothing about. I thought her performance was bad. I thought she was miscast. I thought the design, the costume design, was Why atrocious. She looked like a fake character, like she looked like out of the Jetsons or something. Like a fan character. There was nothing about her entire role that I liked. I hated the way that she related to Princess Leia. I thought she was completely ineffectual in her sort of position in the story. What was it that happened? Poe mutinies. And what does she say? Event, what's the oh, outcome this of guy's, that? I like this I like fly this bomb. guy. Oh, that makes sense. From mutiny, he literally held me up at gunpoint. I like him. <laughs> Wicked. I'm off to die. So just as well, <laughs> she's gone. Uh, yeah. Disappointing again. Terrible, terrible. Ultimately, we've kind of circling around the same thing, which is Ryan Johnson has written a film and directed a film which is just poor and a bit shoddy. I think the plot is really, really... Um, it's his Achilles heel it kills the film because it's entirely stagnant nothing really moves like well, quite literally they're stuck on a ship that is moving at a snail's pace let me do, let me do this and now, it doesn't go anywhere this is what I wrote down in my notepad today as I was thinking about it and I think listeners if you think we're just bilious <laughs> Star Wars fans I really I promise you I really liked this, uh, Force Awakens I've uh, it was Rogue One you know we didn't like it I saw it again I liked it a bit more still not a big fan this film I promise you we're not just being salty so uh, listen to this like The Empire Strikes Back which this film is sort of occupying the same space as in a trilogy and it's Star Wars blah 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 what are the MacGuffins Phil in The Empire Strikes Back and listeners a MacGuffin is known as well in fact check this out um, a MacGuffin is considered the thing that uh, is like a trigger for the plot is the reason why something happens or the reason why someone goes somewhere or the reason someone has to give something up it's there so that the character has to do something right think like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction think yep. the uh, Infinity Stones and all the Marvel films they're MacGuffins to or, a T for example the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones and listen to this George Lucas says R2-D2 is the MacGuffin in Star Wars A New Hope. Ah, that's really interesting. It does make sense, doesn't it? Because he's got the plans and everyone's looking for the droid and the droid is the thing that saves the day. But he's got a different perspective because according to an interview with Vanity Fair when he was talking about Indiana Jones, Lucas believes that the MacGuffin should be powerful and that the audience should care about it almost as much as the dueling heroes and villains on the screen. That's a really interesting point. I guess... Boo is a bit of a MacGuffin in Monsters, Inc. that you care yeah, about. Exactly exactly right. So if you give the MacGuffin character, that's a really clever thing to do. And it, it means that it's the character that drives the plot and it doesn't feel empty. It's not just a reason. And also if it's alive, then it means that you can shift characters away from it and pull it towards you, pull it, pull yeah. it farther away. Isn't that, so it's interesting and to hear George Lucas yeah. say that. And so in The Empire Strikes Back, you know, what are the MacGuffins? Well, I Yoda? Guess, yeah, Yoda is a MacGuffin. Luke has to go to Dagobah because he has to. He has to go and learn. And that's sort of... That's why he does his thing. But in terms of Han Solo and Princess Leia... Well, they become MacGuffins for Luke Skywalker as well. Exactly. But in terms of the thing that drives their plot, it's the same thing at the beginning. They're driven off the planet and they spend a long time being chased. They're escaping. That's literally it. And they have to go and find Lando because they need somewhere to lie low and all that sort of stuff. But it's not... 
it, those are the MacGuffins in that film, but it doesn't feel like it. It just feels like a narrative. It feels like an adventure, and it's really well spliced together because you've got Luke Skywalker with his training, which is entirely sort of one place, and he's frustrated about the fact that he's not really doing anything, which sits fits the whole storyline it means that you're frustrated because you want him to like learn something yeah. or achieve something and he's stuck on Dagobah coupled with the most exciting story you could possibly imagine of escape constantly That's being right. hounded having to deal with star destroyers bounty hunters and incidentally that escape sequence features multiple scenes there's them dodging the TIE fighters and shooting and there's in the asteroid field dodging around and says what they're the odds staying are in the worm. how many million to one yeah sitting in, inside the worm there's always something new that happens in that chase sequence and amongst that then you've got a romance blossoming a tension right big time and then at the end of that film of course Han Solo gets taken away and encased in carbonite to become the MacGuffin for the next film and also Luke loses his hand and realises he's got to go back to Yoda there are so many setups that have come at the end now let's talk about The Last Jedi I've made a list Phil of is this the MacGuffin list ready for this and I've tried to do it vaguely chronologically and there are some sub MacGuffins as well I must destroy the last cannon on the destroyer so that uh, the ships can escape gotta destroy that last cannon I'm Poe Dameron, I'm flying around a ship, I'm destroying towers, but there's one more, I've got to get the last one! Why? And it's so that they can bomb it. Why exactly when they don't need does to that bomb need it? to happen? So that's just a MacGuffin, that's so that Poe can do something cool, right? Number two, oh, there's only one of our bombers left. Only one left! Oh, is she going to make it or not? Is she going to be able to drop the bombs on it? And I'm calling that a MacGuffin because it's like, that's what adds tension, isn't it? The tension is, oh, there's only one the left. The plot driver. All the other bombers have been blown up. And there's only one left. It's a good job she has about five million bombs inside that thing. Also, why do you have to drop them? I thought it's in space. Yeah. They just float. <laughs> We'll come on to that later. Just shoot them. Uh, next one. Oh, there are some old Jedi texts uh, in a in a tree. I guess they're a MacGuffin. That's that's why Luke went there. <laughs> on the, the tiniest place. shelf you've ever imagined. <laughs> I know, yeah. Old good Jedi job there wasn't more books or else where would you put them? But it, I mean, it's a good job. We never hear anything about what's in them or learn about what kind of effect they're going to have on Rey. It's just, they're just there. They're literally just there. We just see the cover and oh, it's an old book. And it's, it's almost so that then they can just leave it in there so that Ray can become better without having to show anything. Yeah, don't bother. Uh, we've got to solve the hyperdrive tracking. Oh, they managed to track us through hyperspeed, Phil. Uh, that was the weakest part of the film because they made it. up. So here's Sub MacGuffin. I guess what we need is to find the, the dreadnought that has the hyperdrive tracking installed. I guess to do that, we need to find a code breaker. Uh, to break the code in there oh to find the code breaker we need to find uh, someone with a special lapel oh and um oh we've actually been thrown in prison oh accidentally because we decided to park on a beach for no reason <laughs> that's the reason they get thrown in prison why don't is. they just land somewhere well, there's, presumably there are landing pads otherwise in other places why would you not try and lie low it's the stupidest we are, but it's a good job we're in prison because now we've met uh this guy so that's just as well and isn't he it? happens so, to be a code breaker but oh no phil we've been spotted while we're making our escape on those um uh animal things but it's okay this was my favorite moment in the film literally the people in the spaceship say keep your forget the herd keep your eyes on them and then literally the next shot is them saying where have they gone because <laughs> they went into some long grass I think oh uh, yeah, yeah just yeah. like in uh, Lost World I haven't even finished man now we can talk about the fuel uh, there's even a scene explaining it oh we're running away from them and they can't get through our shield because of the distance I think so but now we're going to run out of fuel and when we run out of fuel then you know they're going to be able to blow us up uh, it's not like the Empire ships could go faster I suppose than that or they could just send TIE fighters that were doing really well yeah the reason why the TIE fighters went back was because if we're out of their range then the TIE fighters will leave us alone but then it's like you're in their range because you can shoot them so surely the TIE fighters could just follow along but and Phil, destroy no, you must you. be wrong because they return to that scene and that conversation several times so we've got a little bit less fuel so time's even more tight oh we've got a slightly less fuel so ooh, a bit of less have enough fuel. fuel to escape on a planet to like a nearby planet and like well that's the thing no, why don't they we've just go to get hide to the on secret the base we've got to get to the secret base that's there oh no we've been spotted we're still gonna go to the secret base that's and then be do. able to leave from the secret base oh, oh no we're on the secret base we've got to get the door closed <laughs> oh no there's a big machine that's gonna blow up the door we've got to go take out that machine do you see what i'm do- i'm being over the top now and the last one i've got here is we must find our way out of the base because now we're in the base and we need to find another way out all of those things are utterly empty plot devices was that hard to listen to it was hard to listen to and the thing which is really hard is even though they're doing these little bizarre like reasons for doing stuff and they all just seem it's so stagnant nothing changes about the situation that they're in right from the beginning of the movie and the movie's so long 
And most of the movie, it, the most of the interesting parts of the movie are Ray and Luke and Kylo Ren. And that's just all talking. And then you've got this stupid, stupid, stupid casino subplot that means nothing to the overall film. They don't need the Codebreaker. They don't need to meet Benicio Del Coro. They don't really need to get onto the Dreadnought because they're all going to leave anyway to this other base that doesn't matter. And it just all seems pointless. And part of the main reasons why none of this stuff works is because nobody talks in this film. They don't tell Laura Dern the plan, and Laura Dern doesn't tell her her plan. There's absolutely no reason for Laura Dern not to share her plan. Or for them to share their plan with her. It's like, oh, I'm trying to save us all. This is my plan to save everyone. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I I think the plot is horrendously bad, and it's it's boring, and it's slow, and it's turgid. We both looked at each other about an hour in. No, no, an hour and a half in, I think it was. And we thought, oh my gosh, how much is left? How seriously? We still got that long to It felt so long at that point. It's two and a half hours as well. It felt so long at that point. I thought, surely we're getting near the end. But I know that from the trailer, there's this whole sand skipper thingy, Bobby. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's one thing which we haven't talked about at all, and that is the humour. And I think... I was absolutely flabbergasted because I was reading some reviews like you were because I wanted to know what people were making of it. And one of the, the things which I found absolutely astounding was I was reading somebody reviewing Star Wars and they, the very first thing they said was that Star Wars was funny. That was the first thing that they credited it as a good thing. And I thought, why on earth would funny be the number one thing you want yeah. in a Star Wars movie? I don't think I've ever thought Star Wars is a really funny movie. No, it's or entertaining. it's lacking humour. I don't think I've ever thought, oh, this is so sad and boring. There's no humour in this. It needs more humour that's never been anything in any of these films and yet in this film almost right from the get-go there's just humor in the worst places and it's cringy humor. little holding comments that and the me thing cringe. is is i was really worried at that point i thought oh no me is too. this really what's going to be like and i thought oh, okay maybe they're just hearkening back to the force awakens you know who talks first do i talk first and that's poe's character and i thought oh maybe he's just that was the actually okay though that was funny because then, it wasn't it wasn't like a gag it wasn't yeah but then they overplay it and general hux in this film is evidence of how how far they've lost their way because he went from being the the Grand Moff Tarkin of the First Order the scary leader who's not Snoke or Darth Vader like type like campy but serious no but not even campy he was just over the top and then in this film he's like a joke from every single moment he sneals and snarls and, and he's just ridiculous and he's, he's, he's kind of wet he's like worm tongue or something yeah I love Donald Gleeson but wow Ryan Johnson does not have a clue what to do with that character and that whole he got a phone call and he's pretending you can't hear him like surely an emperor or somebody in the empire would just say i'll just shoot them like i was expecting him to be like i'll just shoot the guy like indifferent to it if they're meant to be this all-powerful agency they don't care what some guy's making fun of them he doesn't care no it's yeah it was um i hesitate to use the word but it was slightly pathetic i think it was cringy and awful and then the other bit of humor that i really hated was uh you've been building up to this moment of luke skywalker's got the lightsaber and he chucks it over his shoulder to make a gag out of it well this is what i mean about the way that ryan johnson's done it it's that was almost to slap fans in the face who've made theories about the first words or whatever they're going to say no it just chucks it over his shoulder the thing is, they could still do that moment, but it just doesn't need to be in a comedy way. Chucking it over his shoulder like that is a comedy. It's going for laughs, not for the intention. If he'd like thrown it on the ground or given it back to her and just walked off, that would have been so much more effective as an opening part of the movie. So it means that you suddenly feel like, what's going on here? There's a mystery. Instead, it's this comedy. It's this joke. And that means that plays out right through those scenes. He's just this angry old man yeah. going fishing, drinking milk from an alien. I was with- going to say, what do you think about the uh, milking? Sort of, I sort of think it's okay, but the fact that they showed the the actual milking process, the fact that they showed the nipple, I thought was what are you doing? And it was That's very so odd weird. thing to deliberately do. I mean, I think I, I think that would carry through to the way that a lot of the aliens were used and it's funny that the prequel trilogy from george lucas attracted a lot of criticism for jar jar binks and, and this whole thing was jar jar binks. yeah almost all the jokes were on that level especially with the aliens like the caretakers and the porgs which i hated you know porgs were fine they were just annoying they made the same sound they didn't change the sound at all it's just they did three shots of one being frightened in the millennium falcon they overplayed it massively and i think they're fine they're quite like the design but i just think it's designed to sell toys, isn't it? And yeah. to be a fan favorite cutesy well, the thing. thing. The reason that I really don't like them is that I don't understand. They, they To me, they're like Kool-Aid or Soylent Green or something because I cannot stop seeing critics, like serious critics, as well as people all over the internet say how great Porgs are. And I just think, what's happened? Yeah. I don't understand. It's so obviously like designed to appeal. It's just It just becomes silly at that point. Yeah. 
there was more bits of humor that just didn't work for me i really didn't like the fact that uh he's uh, luke skywalker and is training this he's been waiting for this moment of some sort of thing if he's going to train ray he's like hold out your hand and she does hold out his hand and he twiddles with a with a feather or something and then smacks her and then she said oh you oh you didn't mean like that mm. i felt like the whole time Every character was making these jokes during serious scenes that took away the tension, took away the drama, took away the the like the world. It meant that suddenly Star Wars becomes this silly joke. It's like a kid's thing. Well, what else is it like, Phil? It's like a Marvel movie. Yeah. And the thing is, the Guardians whole humor, the, two the, whole, the whole humor is like self-parody. It's winking at the camera, winking at the audience the whole time. And I think Star Wars has never been like that. People Wars, have been the saying, whole point is it's an escapist fantasy. And people have been saying, oh, Yoda was very silly and uh, Luke is just being like Yoda. And I disagree with that. Yoda was um, in The Empire Strikes Back is is pretending to be this joke of a character. He's meant to be this silly person because the whole point is he's not a silly person. And he he's a Jedi master. Serious after that yeah, gone. he becomes wise and philosophical and that's why his character works. And people have also been saying, oh, well, Han jokes a lot in the original trilogy. He says, I'm fine, thanks. How are you? And it's almost... Like that's, they just don't... Sar- that's sarcasm, that's not quipping. And that's his character. And in the universe, he's making jokes. And in the universe, there's humour. But it's not like knowingly done. It's not pointing at the audience. There was some of that in The Force Awakens. And maybe it was a bit too much in The Force Awakens. But this takes it up to 11. It's just unbearably awful. And it, I think it taints the whole movie. I meant that there were so many times where I was literally pulled out of the movie and I thought, what am I watching? I, I, I kind of don't want to watch Star Wars anymore because of this humour. Yeah. That moment when he's, she's uh, having that forced chat with Kylo Ren, and I, th- I was really looking forward to those scenes because that was the only thing that was really working for me. And then she's like, oh, can you put a shirt on? It's like, that doesn't add anything. What's that adding? Well, I wondered whether he was trying to introduce some kind of sexual chemistry thing in a, in a weird way because you know he's her enemy but maybe she's attracted to him in some weird way in Stennyfield what something we didn't mention is that she brings up the fact that he killed his own father and he doesn't really give an explanation and then she seems to get over it I thought that was very poorly handled I think well. that's fine from Kylo's side because the whole point of his character is the past let the past die but I think that's really, an interesting thing he didn't thing. really give much of an answer at the point where she asks him she didn't mm, that's true uh, yeah. but then the whole point of his character arc is the fact that he can't let the past die he constantly is to- in to- turmoil just speaking of that, um, it suddenly made me rem- remind me the fact that why did Leia not die when she got blown up? <laughs> now, I'm afraid, listeners, I think Carrie Fisher, I think, does as good a job, like everyone, does as good a job as she can with the material she's given. She's given far too many jokes and she comes across as a very ineffectual military leader. But the scene in which she's first off, how is she not burned by the explosion that clearly like flattens her? Uh, and then when she gets frozen... How does she not die? I think whoever thought of that scene needs to go and rethink their creative process because it may be the stupidest scene I've seen all year. I've heard that there might be suggestions that it was a scene that had to happen because because Carrie Fisher did die and so they couldn't reshoot it and this was a way to enable the rest of the scenes that they had shot to be used yeah and they seem to take a lot of pride from the fact that all of her scenes that she shot have been used in the movie they could have done almost anything else like with what they can do with cgi with what they can do with storyboarding that cannot be the only way to do it and it no basically anyone who mentions that scene says what was that about no one is mentioning it saying that was great it didn't necessarily bother me that much in terms of the idea of it, like that she's got force powers or whatever. I think it's just the idea. It just felt so off the and like silly. of them and, her being out in space. And like, it just seemed a bit silly, her flying. Like, have her nearby or something, and then she somehow manages to like grab onto something. I don't know. I think it was through. a very misjudged attempt to somehow make Deify her Deify her character, yeah. yeah. And I, I, it was just all wrong. There's some other things that you mentioned, sorry, jumping back, that of moments which just kind of got dropped. I mentioned the fact that Luke says, oh, you went straight to the dark side what? and you didn't even hesitate. And then he just never mentions it again. Yeah. But also that whole shiny hole thing, the black hole thing that she goes through and it turns out to be a sort of mirror zone. What, I don't really get what that was about or what it's for. What was it? It ended up being kind of nothing. She yeah. just clicks and looked at herself. Why did she click, by the way? Of all things you could do, <laughs> why is there clicking in Star Wars? That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. Man, I've got so many questions like that. There's so many questions. Um, I've got another thing that I want to raise, but maybe maybe we're blabbering on a bit too much. So I'm going to say it and you can say, yep, let's talk about that one. Let's move on. All right. I felt like the universe feels even smaller than it did at the end of Force Awakens by the end of this film. Well, I do want to talk about that. I think we should briefly. I think you're right. And a lot of that is because we spend so much the film of them just, it's just two big like ships facing off against each other. The resistance are on one ship because all the little ones get blown up. There's only a few M- Imperial ships and one tiny planet. Well, That's literally, it. it's the Rebel Alliance now is a, it fits on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, right. Nobody and came to help them. 
No, that was it. And then also, like the other casino planet, the world just seems to be doing fine. That's what I was just about to <laughs> without, say. Without the no, empire, but they or... seem almost like it's like a, a civil war between an, a far off country that Tiny nobody people cares just about. Hanging out, yeah. And like everyone's just sort of like, oh yeah, we'll fund that, but it's not. It doesn't affect us. Where were the stormtroopers on that planet? Why did they instead have Flash Gordon style guys in blue Security armor? Personnel. Ridiculous. Yeah. I think it, what also contributed to that is the way that the apparent leaders are shown to operate and i've said it a few times i i think the resistance sucks like i wouldn't want to work for that organization to be fair the empire sucks as well they're so inept yeah they're completely incompetent like the leaders are continually being ignored they don't seem to care that much about mutiny and being disobeyed what does leia do when poe ignores the direct order she slaps him and demotes him probably he should be getting a court martial and being in a lot of trouble. And I'm not trying to be, you know, an annoying geek about that, but it, it, what it does is it sucks away the realism. Instead, we just know these are the goodies and these are the baddies, even if they are completely useless at everything they do. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 frustrating because at the end of The Force Awakens, I think I felt like that was a major weakness of The Force Awakens. We talked Awakens, about it. We're and it needed it. to be, the world needed to be expanded. There needs to be more more design, more variety. Um, but like what was weird was like the, the, the Empire even feels very small. There's like, no scenes with stormtroopers. Yeah, I agree. And Captain Phasma, uh, oh, what a waste again. <laughs> Nothing. Why she was wasn't she, good in the first She was film. just she there was to sell toys, this. even yeah. worse. Like, she literally just says, ah, I see you, rebel scum, and then fights him and that's it. It's just for the trailer. What yeah. a waste of time. In a two hour and a half movie, I felt like that was a waste of time. They were doing it as if it was something fans wanted to see, but I don't think anyone is a fan of It was Phasma. almost like, let's justify the fact that we made a big deal of her in the first film. Yeah. And again, it was something for Finn to do. Like, what a waste of his character. I feel like the last thing I want to say, and then I've got these questions, and I think we're going to wrap up, man. We better for wrap me. up soon, yeah. I honestly, where does this leave the story? I felt like well, nowhere. It's, it hasn't changed. If anything, it's been lessened. Ray is the same situation. It really cracked me up that she left in the Millennium Falcon at the beginning, at the end of Force Awakens, to go and become a Jedi. At the end of this film, Luke's come and gone and died and taught her basically nothing. At the end of this film, she's on the Millennium Falcon again. She was just flying around shooting stuff. And again, she saw just seeing Finn from a distance, but not really relating to yeah, him. Yeah, and she managed to lift up some rocks, which is the same thing as her pulling the lightsaber towards her. Literally nothing has happened. She hasn't progressed at all. But apparently she took away the books before they can be burned by Yoda in a very disturbing scene. Uh, is he that right? weird, didn't he, by the way? Yeah, yeah, Yoda was kind of all wrong. He just, I, how did they get the puppet wrong? I kind well, of preferred CGI they, I Yoda. used a puppet and then maybe added CGI on top, so something was a bit strange. It just didn't, his face looked like it had gone through the wash or something. Yeah, and then, you know, Finn is the same again, except now he's got a new love interest, I suppose. And uh, Poe, yeah, also the same. I the only, get, the like, only real the change is Kylo Ren is now the leader. That's it, isn't it? That is literally what's happened, and Luke Skywalker is no longer in the picture. And I feel like everything that could happen in this movie almost is, should have been done in the time jump. If they take out the Luke Skywalker dying, they don't really need any of this in this movie. No. And it could have just been done in the screen crawl. Just start with the Empire has uh, pursued the rebels until they're a fledgling of what they well, were. Well, the forces down, yeah. And uh, they they make a desperate escape from Planet Blah, the salt planet. And yeah, I just think what it almost felt like a filler episode of a, a TV show rather than Star Wars Episode Eight. Yeah disaster so here are my questions man why was myers fighting people on a jetpack why have a message about being anti-capitalist from the biggest capitalist company there ever is why was snoke so powerful but not able to tell carlo ren was going to attack him true yeah why was ray so good at stuff what training did she get uh well i dispute that one but yeah carry on where were the knights of ren how did ray get back on the millennium falcon after leaving the dreadnought why did she say godspeed did she <laughs> Why did they say there wasn't a way out and then they found a way out? Why didn't the rebels get destroyed as soon as they leave the planet by all the star destroyers outside the planet? Why did she do a hyperdrive jump if they didn't have enough fuel to do a hyperdrive jump? Can I ask one? Why didn't she think of that plan before all of the other ships in the fleet got blown up? She's a murderer. Why couldn't Leia move the rocks at the end? Why would Luke leave a map to the place where he wanted to go and die and be forgotten about? <laughs> I thought that. Why do aliens wear tuxedos in casinos? <laughs> uh, we got one from listener. They said, uh, why did the Star Destroyer's bombs go in an arc? It's space. <laughs> There's no wait. Oh, man. It, it's a problematic film, to say the least. And listeners. I think it's just going to get worse, in my personal opinion. I think we, it, like we said before, I'm interested in seeing it again, if only because we saw it at a midnight screening. I should say, listeners, that... 
the people we saw it with, you know, I had to interview some people afterwards. I grabbed as many Vox Pops as I could, and it really was a spectrum. There are people who feel exactly the same way as us. Are you going to play some of them now? Uh, I don't think I will, actually, in the okay, end, because I think we've gone, on, yeah, we've gone on long enough. So we're certainly not alone in this. And as I said at the beginning there, I just thought, you know what, I'm gonna, just, the gloves are going to come off here. I really think this is a bad film. I think it's really poorly made. I think it has moved away, or is in the process of moving away from Star Wars, basically, and becoming, I don't even know what. Another part of Disney's Marvel Disney megaverse. Disney and Fox, of course. Film, mm, indeed, yeah. One last thing I want to uh, say is that... Uh, it is baffling to me how many people are giving this five stars. I, I really don't understand. I don't get it. I, I almost want to. I wish I could. I, I, I don't get it. And I can't tell if it's that we're kind of grouchy nerds who love Star Wars too much or if these are the people who just don't care about Star Wars. But this is so the thing. It like, doesn't mean anything A lot of people them. say The Force Awakens is rubbish, whereas I really, really enjoyed it. So I don't think it can be that. You said it got worse on second viewing, didn't I don't, you? I don't think it was as amazing, but it still liked it. I, it's an I enjoyable film. By comparison now, The Force Awakens looks like a marvellous film. Especially considering how much more he had to do first time round. Uh, but I want to say a lot of people are saying, are these critics being paid off by Disney? And I think, you know, that's not right and it's not helpful. And I, I don't think that is true. What I think is important to say is that the, if there are critics who are modifying their views or kind of afraid to say what they really think, I think it's because of fans, basically. And I think it's because of, this is what, you know, the public has become when it comes to appreciating creativity. Forming a mob. You're going to get slaughtered. If people don't like what you've said, they will tell you that. And they'll, tell it, they'll say it to you publicly. On In Twitter. their thousands. And if you're a journalist especially, you depend on people wanting to hear from you and hear what you say in the way that you say it. And so you want to be careful. You want to give your opinion without angering people. But I think we're the poorer for it in the world because it's important sometimes to get unfiltered thoughts. It's why one of my favourite things to do on rare occasions is to look at those one-star reviews on Goodreads and Amazons because people are very concise sometimes when they're angry and frustrated. And it's a valuable insight uh, as well as the five-star thing. So don't blame Disney because I don't think it is Disney. I'm going to ask you one question. Um, Where would you put this amongst the films, Star Wars films? When I saw it, I thought this is worse than Rogue One. And uh, I enjoy it far, far less than I think all of the prequels. Yeah, I think it's the worst. Yeah, I'll say it. I think yeah. it's the worst one. I of- think I enjoyed it the least of, of all the films that Star Wars has produced so far. Yeah, I really and do think so. It I makes think Rogue One s- at least actually did seem to have a vision. And it did seem a somewhat like Star Wars. It may not have been the perfect... They made a lot of consistent aesthetic choices that I disagreed with, but at least they were consistent. This is just a jumbled rubbish mess. I, I'm amazed that the the Han Solo guys got kicked off their movie and this guy was allowed, almost it seems, free reign to do what he wanted. Doesn't it make it seem like, you know when we discussed Ryan Johnson being given his own separate trilogy, that really does make it seem like the thing I said, which is that Disney were trying to say, episode eight's going to be great. We it's really like love Ryan Johnson. Because now the thing is, we don't know, there's nothing else been announced about that new trilogy. They can just get rid of um, Ryan Johnson anytime they like. If yeah. this film does badly, he's not attached anymore. Uh, it's just, uh, I feel really, really disappointed. Yeah. Um, and I had low expectations anyway. So there you go. I think as a film, it's a C plus maybe. I just think um, it's a C, yeah. I think it's just it's just not worthy as a, as a big franchise film. If this is the biggest film of the year, what a flop. Yeah, I completely agree. Oscar Isaac does the best he can. You know, I, we just got to stop talking, haven't we? I'm so disappointed. I feel really actually quite sad. The more we talked about it, the sadder I've become. Listeners, I hope this hasn't been a, an atrocious chore to listen to. Listeners, can you get in touch with your opinions, your thoughts? If you disagree with us, please let us know why. Please give us your uh, favourite bits, your least favourite bits, things that bothered you, things that didn't. You can reach us at at gmail.com or you can tweet us at superbaileybrays. Please do. Yeah, we want to know, especially if we're wrong. Tell us how, we're, how wrong we are and exactly why. That's what we want to know. And just remember, we did try to start with the positives. Yeah, that's right. Okay. We're out. Bye. Oh, what a damn little squib. <laughs>